everyone, Jane Byrne here. Welcome to this edition of the BioPharmaPod, our new podcast series. How the US Food and Drug Administration exercises flexibility has been an important and emerging issue for the past several years. The COVID-19 pandemic we saw caused that watchdog to flex regulations and priorities to prevent drug shortages. And one wonders whether the agency's new experience with and, and comfort from exercise of its EUA authority during the pandemic was behind the recent accelerated approval of Biogen's Alzheimer's drug, a move that attracted a significant level of criticism from many quarters. We talked to Patrick Gallagher, partner at US law firm Dwayne Morris, to get his insights and observations on FDA regularity flexibility and how perhaps a lack of consistency across FDA divisions could create problems. He discusses what we can expect going forward from the FDA and the implications from the fact that the agency still lacks an official leader. I first asked him whether COVID-19 changed the FDA regulatory process in terms of the benefit-risk calculus. So, so to be honest, I don't feel like it has really changed the FDA calculus of the benefit risk um, at all. The EUA procedure um, that was implemented because of the COVID pandemic, um, you know, was following regulations that had been in place for a long time to address uh, just exactly this type of situation where there's an immediate emergency need for specific therapeutics, vaccines, uh, diagnostic testing, those types of things. Uh, and the FDA you know, implemented those regulations quickly. And that's why uh, you know, these vaccines and therapeutics and diagnostic tests were able to be rolled out so quickly. But in terms of overall FDA's approach um, and looking at a, a risk benefit calculation, it's essentially the same from my perspective. They're, they're looking for clear clinical scientific evidence of safety and efficacy. Well, is there not more openness, though, in terms of how uh, the agency is, um, is is looking to be more flexible in terms of, say, um, clinical trial design or, you know, decentralized clinical trials or approval pathways, no? So I do think that FDA's approach in that respect is... Um, and FDA, I think, has always been open to, and even before the COVID pandemic, was open to uh, sponsors presenting an approach that was maybe unique um, or, or hadn't been dealt with before. And as long as FDA is convinced that the that the study design ultimate and the statistical design ultimately gets to um, something they're comfortable with as clear. Um, clinical scientific evidence of safety and efficacy, they're going to be okay with that. So I do agree that <clears throat> that FDA has shown a bit of um, flexibility in terms of study design, statistical design uh, approaches for getting towards approval, but I don't think that is necessarily tied to the COVID pandemic. I think that was something that we were starting to see <clears throat> um, even before the COVID pandemic um, and what happened with the implementation of the emergency use authorization process for COVID, you know, FDA was ready to implement those and, and did. But I think in the way they're generally doing the risk benefit calculation, um, I think it's it's 
been a consistent approach and in terms of flexibility, I think that FDA is willing to consider flexibility in terms of study design, statistical design, those types of things. But their risk-benefit calculation is, is still the same. They want to see clear, um, clear clinical evidence of safety and efficacy. Would you think there would be any key learnings, though, from um, how they implemented the authorization procedures um, during the pandemic? I, I do think that's something um, <clears throat> that we're not likely to see immediately. Um, I don't think see now, but I do think it's something that as, as we get past the pandemic, hopefully, um, and, and are able to put that in the rear view mirror and FDA and everyone is able, the industry is able to take a look back and see what worked well and, and maybe what didn't, that there will be um, hopefully you know, positive outcomes from having a chance to look back at how FDA handled um, the approval pathways for uh, COVID vaccines, therapeutics, and diagnostic tests in a way that um, you know, can maybe make it more efficient to approve, um, you know, going forward to approve products for other, you know, for other diseases um, and also make sure that they're in a good position to, to deal with and hopefully prevent, uh, you know, the next pandemic. Well, we saw that uh, it, it, the FDA's review of its accelerated approval program, um, you know, that's been recently in the news, hasn't it, in relation to the Biogen uh, Alzheimer's drugs uh, uh, approval. Um, right. And critics of that program have raised concerns around drug makers missing deadlines on mandated follow-up trials. And I wonder for the public and uh, doctors to trust the pathway and the clinical value of drugs with accelerated approval. Are reforms, as well as the timely completion of those post-approval trials, required in your view, Patrick? I think there's been a lot of um, real-world benefit to patients from that accelerated pathway. Uh, you know, it's it's difficult to get um, to get drugs developed where the accelerated pathway is available. It's typically for um, you know treating diseases for which there is no other alternative. Um, no other good alternative, and and so th there really are. And to be clear, drugs approved under the accelerated pathway, there still is evidence for uh, safety and efficacy. You know, certainly for safety, and then also certainly for efficacy. It's it's done in an accelerated way, and so there is a requirement for for additional ongoing clinical studies. You know, one thing I think scientists and, and physicians appreciate is you can set your schedule, but sometimes um, science and and experimental studies, you know, take their own course, and and you have to follow the the time frame that that the study uh, ends up taking. So sometimes there's difficult with recruitment of patients. There's all sorts of things that can lead to delays in completion of studies. So I think FDA should be careful and I think has been careful to ensure that drug sponsors that have gotten an approval under the accelerated pathway are pursuing those um, follow-on clinical trials. But I don't think that it would necessarily be helpful. And I, in fact, I think it would potentially be harmful to insist on a deadline for completion of the studies. You know, it, it's one thing if a if a drug sponsor just isn't pursuing this, the clinical, the required clinical trials at all, that certainly would be problematic. And I think FDA should 
be firm with with companies that are are not pursuing the clinical trials, but for a company that is undertaking to complete those clinical trials, I don't think having a firm deadline as a requirement would be a positive. What impacts do you see then from the delay in appointing a permanent FDA commissioner in terms of you know long-term goals for the agency and, and perhaps a new agenda? Sure. So, so that's something that in terms of the day-to-day impacts, there, there's really not, not, not a whole lot um, is concerning from that perspective. The agency, you know, has extremely well, well qualified and, and credentialed um, expert scientists working there that, that keep the agency running. I think it's something that from a longer term perspective, and I think you're alluding to this in your, in your question, you know, any, any organization needs direction from from the top and and that's something that i think it is important to get somebody into that role so that you know not necessarily today tomorrow or or next week have drastic changes but so that the agency has clear direction over the next you know year two years three years that that type of situation so i think it's something that um is not overly concerning right now but but certainly having that role filled is something that's going to be important in terms of giving the agency a clear direction over the next few years. Um, what about some of the site inspections that have been kind of put on the back burner uh, during the pandemic? Um, do you think any new commissioner will have to, to shake loose additional funding from Congress to accelerate those inspections? Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the things there have been um, lots of unintended consequences um, that and, and maybe unexpected consequences that we're dealing with in terms of backlogs in, in many areas, many industries, as a result of the COVID pandemic and the shutdowns that, that occurred from that. And the backlog of site inspections for FDA is certainly one of those. And while you know, I'm sure there's many industries and many agencies that are looking for additional resources to, and, and funding to deal with um, the, to deal with, you know, starting back up after after the COVID pandemic. Certainly, I think it's something that will be important for the head of FDA to be pushing to make sure that the agency has adequate funding and resources to get those uh, to get those inspections ramped up sooner rather than later. And would that apply also to um, staffing resources when it comes to reviewing uh, cell and gene therapy approval applications? Apparently, there are a raft of companies awaiting their pre-submission meetings with the agency as well, Patrick. Sure. And that's something that I think um, was you know, also happening even, even before the pandemic. And I think the pandemic accelerated that backlog. You know, as I'm sure everyone can appreciate, these applications for complex cellular and gene therapies are dense. It's very involved and intricate science. Um, so it's not something that you can just knock out in a day or two. And, you know, it's also not something that just, that just anyone can review. So you really have to have well-trained and capable scientists on staff who are, who are doing that. And that's not something that, that can be done done in a day. And it's something that's very important to have and make sure that those applications are being well reviewed and that there is you know satisfactory evidence of efficacy and safety for, for each of those products so i think that's a problem 
that was was coming and that, that the industry was dealing with even before the pandemic. And I think the pandemic has, has only accelerated that. And that's something that, you know, again, I'm sure there are many, many agencies um, that are will be looking for additional resources and funding to deal with coming out of the pandemic and getting getting started back up. But that is something absolutely that, that the head of FDA will need to be attuned to and looking to Congress to help them with, with making sure that FDA has the resources to, to review those applications. Okay. And on a final note, I mean, some commentators say there's a lack of consistency in how the FDA goes about approvals. And sometimes they say there's a lack of consistency across divisions or even across product type within the same divisions at times, and that this can create problems. So do you have any um, insights on that or, or what's your perspective, Patrick? Sure. Um, I think FDA tries as best it can um, to have consistency throughout the agency. I, I do agree that, that you know, sometimes there is some lack of, um, some degree of lack of consistency. To some extent, that's inevitable, you know, as as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, these are complex applications, complex products with very extensive study design, intricate scientific principles, and so inevitably there will be some some degree of you know, personal input from the reviewer, the team of reviewers that are assigned to any any particular application. I think trying to work towards ensuring better consistency is something where having uh, somebody at the head of FDA who is giving clear guidance, um, clear policy type guidance from the top can help to work towards that consistency. And I think that's something that, that the agency has in the past tried to work towards, but is gonna have to continually, um, from a policy perspective, try both, both policy and training. So. Um, for, for that person that's at, that is at the head of FDA to set clear standards for what re, um, reviewers should be looking for when evaluating these applications and then making sure that everybody is trained on those and so that as much as possible, there's consistency in the way the regulations are applied. 